Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan. Fried the Burnout Podcast. Fried fam, you know that one of the things that I try to do is answer the questions that are coming up most frequently in the Facebook group. And so I pay attention to what you're writing in there. I pay attention to what you're asking. And recently we had three or four questions come up back to back about hormones and burnout and menopause and perimenopause. And I thought there has got to be somebody out there that knows a little more about this than I do. So today on the podcast, we get to talk to Dr. Susan Lovell, who is a former plastic surgeon and is the founder of Premier Wellness, which is offering all-in-one lifestyle health solutions for busy professionals and innovative organizations. She specializes in boosting personal energy, optimizing weight, and balancing hormones to unlock peak performance in every aspect of life. And I know all of you were just like, yeah, we need all, all of those things, please. Dr. Susan has been featured on The Doctors, the docuseries Exhausted, Lifetime TV, No Women, and Good Morning Washington. Her book, Thrive, The Five-Week Guide to Mastering Your Energy at Any Age, is available on Amazon. Dr. Susan, thank you so much for your time and your presence. I'm so excited to have this conversation. And I am thrilled to be here. <laughs> Glad to hear it. We're going to do a, a quick little run around into your burnout story so that people do understand that when you're talking about this, not only do you have your knowledge and your wisdom, but you also have this pretty severe experience. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's just jump into that story. Okay, well, uh, people ask me, how did I get to where I am right now? And I was actually in the middle of being a plastic surgeon. I had chosen to be in a place that was an hour. I was the only plastic surgeon for an hour in any direction. So if you can imagine, I was busy all the time. I was in the either in the office seeing patients or in the operating room with three to five hour cases. But then when I came home, I was a mom and I wanted to, I didn't want them to suffer because I chose to be a plastic surgeon. And so then I became the soccer blonde and went to all of the games and went to all of the debate competitions. So now we're talking working 24 seven. However, if you're the only plastic surgeon in an hour when kids fall off tables in the middle of the night or get bitten by a dog or something like that, who did they call? they call the plastic surgeon. So now right. we're talking 24 seven. If I had been eating well and taking care of myself, maybe it would have been okay, but I wasn't. Right. <laughs> and that's a story I hear a lot. And yeah. essentially what ended up happening is by not listening to my body, ended up in the intensive care unit three times in the space of one year. Okay, everybody, could you listen to that? Not just in the hospital, in intensive care, three times within 12 months. Right, right. Didn't listen the first time, cause I know better. Didn't listen the second time. <laughs> it was the third time when I almost didn't make it back out of the hospital at all. Then I said, okay, something has got to change. And you said, when I was reading through your story, you said you had deep vein thrombosis, right? Yes. And that yes. could have been leading to pulmonary embolism. So can you explain to people a little bit about what was actually happening in your, in your body yeah. when you were in the ICU? 
Oh, yes. Okay. So a lot of times when we develop um, blood clots, that's with that deep vein thrombosis. They often start in our legs. Now, if you think about it, I was a surgeon standing on my feet all the time for hours and hours. So that's maybe what the deal was. Um, but they shouldn't develop recurrently. You know, if you right. develop one, you should treat it. That should be it. Um, when it recurred, the doctors believed that perhaps I had, and they checked all of the clotting disorders, I didn't have any of them, believed that maybe I had an occult malignancy. So now this is in the back of my head, you know, that I've got this cancer brewing somewhere. Um, and luckily this was 12, 15 years ago. So no, that wasn't the case either. Um, but what was happening was that the stress in my body from everything I was doing was causing inflammation, which in me manifested as clots in my legs. Those clots can break off, and when they break off, they travel up to your lungs, and that's how I ended up with two pulmonary emboli as well. And so a pulmonary embolism, you guys, is when that deep vein thrombosis, that clot that was in the legs, travels through the body and ends up in the lungs. Yes. Right? So, and this, this is something that can fairly frequently lead to death. This yes. is not like yes. this is this is one of the things that people die from when they are when they have a clot that moves because they are flying. Right. This is one of the big fears after exactly. surgery. That's why you're not allowed to fly because a deep vein thrombosis, this clot that's in basically next to your calf somewhere will travel through your body, end up in your lungs. And, and you can't breathe and you can't <laughs> breathe. And that's you're, that. And your, and your lung doesn't work. I mean, your, your heart doesn't work anymore. So yes, yeah. that's exactly what if and many have may have heard about Serena Williams you yeah. know, back a little while before when she had her children. That's what ends up happening sometimes. And you it's it's life threatening. Three times in the ICU within a year. Three times. It's yeah, just so into like it's we're talking about it now and it's like, well, that this is just the story. So you kind of you've moved to you a do, place you where you can you can, can package it up with a bow and, and just be like, and, well, this is just what happened. Yeah. But holy shit. Exactly. Yeah. And the third time, the reason I was actually out of the intensive care unit yeah. on the floor. And what happened there was I developed an infection in my arm that became septic. And you may or may not be familiar with that. That's an infection that goes throughout your entire body. Um, and if my husband hadn't come to see me that evening, which he often did not in the evening, if he hadn't come to see me and saw me sitting up in the bed talking delirious, yeah. talking gibberish. Um, I mean, he called the nurses and they all rushed in. They gave me IVs and everything. Otherwise, you know, who knows? I would not be speaking with you today. I'm pausing on purpose, you guys. So this these this series of experiences that culminated in this massive experience led you to shifting out of we talk a lot about on the podcast about sort of leaving identities behind when you're moving through burnout because you you're choosing to go on another path frequently not always some people go back to their same jobs but a lot of times there's a shift that happens and you worked really hard to get where you were going and you're still doctor, <laughs> right? Of course, we will yes. still call you Dr. Susan, but yes. uh, moving into a place that's, dare I say, less respected. Hmm. Yes. Wellness, yes. Well, right? Wellness yes. is not as, as respected not. as being, be, when you walk in and you're like, I'm a plastic surgeon, people are like, hey, okay. You know, like exactly. that's, exactly. it's immediate, it's immediate respect. 
But when you walk in and you're like, I'm a wellness professional. And they're like, oh, did you do a weekend course in breathing? And you're like, no, I'm actually a doctor. And they're like, okay, honey, a PhD. You're like, no, no, I'm a doctor. And they're like, right. Uh-huh. All right. It's like, so I can imagine that that shift, was that difficult? Or were it you was. okay with it? it? It was, and it still is hard. Okay. And it still is hard. Um, and that's often why, even though I don't want to lead with, I was a former plastic surgeon, I put that out there first to get the yeah. the confidence and the respect first, the clout. and then yes, yeah, and then I will talk about what I do now because now people are listening. Right. You know, they're not listening. You know, they they may not be listening to, and no disparaging. You know, health coaches and and other no, of course not, because they know their stuff as well. Yeah, but unfortunately, they don't get the respect. No, and the understanding at first. Right, yeah. right. So I yeah, I just even for me acupuncture is not well respected as a general rule in every, in some, in some circles, very highly Mm -hmm. in other circles, really not. Mm -hmm. And even for me, letting go of that, like, no, I'm, I'm an acupuncturist. I see patients. I'm a primary care physician in a lot of States. Letting go of that was tricky. And I was not a doctor. I was not, I didn't have that title. So I, I just, I know it would have been tricky for me. So it's not surprising to me that it was a little like, Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm going to be a wellness professional now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then you get it from both sides. Yes. From the the patients and clients, you know, looking at you differently, but also from your former colleagues. Of course. You know, what are you doing? You know, what? (laughs) Yeah. And you had a successful bustling practice, which is a hard thing to let go of. Exactly. So it's a, it's a really big shift, but you decided to do it anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Why? Because of the way I healed myself. And yeah. that third time when I came out and I knew something had to change, I was I was so exhausted. I mean, imagine that three times yeah. in a year, I could do almost nothing. You yeah. know, I, I couldn't go to work. It was a while that I you know made two, three weeks that I wasn't even going to work. Um, in that period of time, it took all I could do to say, walk downstairs and walk back up. There. That was it. Then I was yeah. done for the day. Um, and the way I healed myself first was through what I was eating, you know, and changing how I was eating, eating more natural and whole foods. When I got more energy, then I added movement. And for me, it wasn't calisthenics because I hate burpees. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it was yoga and Tai Chi yeah. at that point. Um, and then I just added things on one by one. And when I healed, then I said, you know, I would love to teach this to other people. I would love other people to experience this. And we started and one by one, that's where we shifted over. And eventually it came to the point where plastics or lifestyle medicine. And you see where I am now. Yeah. And you had to make that choice at some point. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that you focus on so strongly is this hormonal piece. And this is the the question that's been popping up in the Facebook group that everybody wants to know the answers to, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and what before we get to the perimenopause menopause menopause what is this chronic stress what is burnout doing to our hormones not just the stress with the stress hormones we talk about all day on this podcast right mm-hmm. but what is it doing to the rest of our hormonal cascade how is it messing us up and why are we feeling the way we're feeling is that too many questions in one <laughs> <laughs> also could you write a book and a dissertation on this topic right now please just kidding <laughs> 
the biggest thing. So you all are, are very familiar with stress and cortisol and norepinephrine, yeah. epinephrine. However, those are the master hormones, especially cortisol. Cortisol is one of those, those hormones that has its fingers everywhere. The first big one that it, it actually impacts is your thyroid hormone. Yeah. So if you think about that, when your stress levels go up, your cortisol goes up, your thyroid hormone levels come down. You stop being as active with that. It also messes with estrogen and progesterone, right? The two biggies that women are really, and testosterone. So with women uh, and testosterone, it does exactly the opposite. Stress does exactly the opposite of what it does in men. So mm -hmm. in women, it actually boosts, can sometimes shift up our testosterone levels when we don't necessarily want them to be. Right. Men, it tends to make their testosterone levels drop which they don't want. So right. it's got a negative effect on both ends, you know, that kind of thing. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know uh, that. Yes, yes. And then as far as estrogen, it will also tend to make you more likely to be what we call estrogen dominant. And that's a, a case where, um, if you could almost think estrogen has good aspects and bad aspects. It, it, makes us you know more feminine it gives us the the characteristics that we want it helps our heart health it protects our heart but it also has things like water weight gain and gaining weight where we don't want it to be and sometimes fatigue and headaches so it's got some not so fun aspects as well and when our cortisol levels rise when our stress rises some of the more the negative aspects of estrogens tend to start coming out so one of the things with, with burnout long-term, and this is where I think things get really messy, is that people end up with low cortisol. Yes. Right. Yes. So now yes. we've had this damage be because of the high cortisol. And now we have a stress response system that's not responding fully because the cortisol isn't even enough to, to have it go through a full cycle. And we have this low cortisol happening and we've already messed up our hormone panel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So now you've got a, a double webby. Yeah. You don't have that extra boost that you could get from cortisol, you know, whatever, whether it's the stress response itself, whether it's the coffee that we drink or yeah. the, the sugar that we eat to give us that little boost. We're not even getting that boost. But by the time you get to that point, you've already messed up your thyroid. Your thyroid's right. already not working. So now you're exhausted all day. You're tired all day. You know, you may try to sleep and you can't sleep that wired, but tired kind yeah. of kind of feeling. All of that is going on now when you're just, you don't, you're rock bottom. And so this, everybody, just as a reminder, this is not even getting into when our hormones start to change with age. This is no. just no. our normal everyday. Like if you are 28 listening to this podcast, this is what's happening to your hormone panel. Exactly. Right? This is exactly. what's going on. Right. Exactly. And then- we turn the corner around 40. <laughs> we turn and we go. And wham, and hit well, that wall. <laughs> right? So when we start to be in this sort of perimenopause phase, which we know now can last a lot longer than people assume, like you can yes. be in perimenopause yes. for a very long time. Yes. How yes. long? 10, 15 years. Holy shit. Really? So that, and, and when we say 40, you know, we're realizing now that it really starts around age 35, because the very first thing that happens is that our progesterone levels start to start decrease. To and that starts around 35. 
Yeah. So, um, but we're not really aware of it yet because we've still got enough of the energy of, of youth um, still kind of hanging in there. And so you may not really be aware until estrogen also starts to drop. And that's when all of the two of them together is like, whoa, you know, so this is, this is not a good thing. And that's usually around 40 and up. Yeah. But so we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when, when I burnt out, I was 28. Mm-hmm. And so this was well before a lot of these things. And if I'm someone who sort of managed to keep it together without burnout until say 37, 38, 39, I'm hitting 39, 40, 41. And I'm like, whoa. And I don't know, like, is this burnout? Mm-hmm. Is it just my hormones? Mm-hmm. What is happening right now? How would you help? Would would you help somebody pick apart like this is stress and this is perimenopause or is that too uh, too tangled a web? Not necessarily. Okay. So that that leads into my favorite hormone test, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is the Dutch test, yeah, which stands for yep. the dried urine total complete hormones and comprehensive hormones, and it looks at both. Um, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, looks at all of those, but it also looks at your cortisol. And you can look at the two of them together and see how your body is working. So you may see that, yes, the biggest thing is that my cortisol is, you know, either it's sky high in the morning, like mine used to be, you know, it was like, whoa, those numbers should not be there. Um, Or it's kind of trickled down to that that later stage where everything's really low, or it may be the estrogen that's not estrogen and progesterone that are a mess. Or unfortunately, it could even be both of them. But you're much more able to pick out which one is a major factor in symptoms. And then so if somebody came to you, somebody that listens to the podcast is like, all right, well, I need to do this test yesterday. So they call you, they get their Dutch hormone test, you get the results. What kind of things are happening after those results? Like what, what are they doing? Of course, that's going to depend on what the results are. I understand. But like, what are some things that, that might happen after that? Are they taking DHEA? Are they being told to rest more? Are they being breathing extra? Like what's going on? (laughs) You're always going to do whatever you need to do. Number one, to stop, to de-stress because- There is, I don't think there's, I've ever spoken to anyone who comes to me, by the time they get to me, there's no one who doesn't need that as a primary, you know, intervention. What are your favorite ways to de-stress? Oh, stepping back, breathing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also there, there are some new technologies that, that I use and, and enjoy. Um, a free uh, thing that you can use is, what is it called? Um insight timer oh yeah we, we, we promote insight timer almost every episode insight, around here. it's an insight timer love it yeah then if you if you want something where you don't even have to do it because with that you may have to you meditate you have mindfulness if you don't even you want to just lay there and do nothing and still get the benefit um i've been using brain tap which is a wonderful technology so those are my two favorites um yeah. that i use but lots of different things as far as de-stressing but then it also depends on the person. So, yeah. you know, what's, what is calming and parasympathetic toward for one person may not be for another. Like there are, 
you know, speaking with a coder the other day, you know, IT, and his idea of de-stressing was coding, going home and writing all of it. That would not be de-stressing to me. Right. <laughs> but really, it's a very personal thing, whatever it is, whether it's music or journaling or visualization or prayer or meditation, you know, whatever it is that makes you de-stress and calm. Vagus nerve um, is wonderful, wonderful, and all the things you can do. And I, I teach some of the, the quick things and the easy things. And singing and chanting is one yeah. of them. And that's a reason why most likely that it's in a lot of religions that chanting is part of that. But uh, you know, if you just want a quick and dirty, you can gag. <laughs> I call it the toothbrush gag in the morning. You know, you brush your teeth, you do a little gag, and there's your vagus stimulation for the day. So it's, it's, it really depends on the person. And I love that so much. We did an episode recently, or rather I did an episode recently on sort of bad advice for burnout. And at the end I said, you know, all of this stuff could be bad advice, but also the worst advice is the advice that just doesn't work for you that you keep trying to implement because somebody told you it was a good idea. Exactly. If exactly. it's not for you, it's okay to move on. It doesn't matter how many times I've talked about it. It doesn't matter how many people say it. It doesn't matter if your neighbor had success with it. It doesn't matter if your meditation teacher says this is the only way. As soon as somebody tells you something is the only way, first the of all, run. Way. Right, right, right. Exactly. Run. Exactly. But have full permission Fried fam, full permission granted to engage with the practices that are most aligned with who you are as a person and to release all of the other ones, which doesn't mean you might not come around to some of them sometimes. When you're really burnt out, meditation can be really hard. Hard. But when you're recovered as a stress relief practice, it might be really useful. That doesn't mean just because something isn't good today doesn't mean it will be bad forever. And just because something is good today doesn't mean it's going to be good forever. So you, you, it's, you really play with some of the things that you hear and keep on working with the things that really work for you. And, and if you are sort of in this place where you're like, is it burnout? Is it perimenopause? Is it, it might be wise to contact somebody like Dr. Susan and get a Dutch test and try and, and unwind that a little bit. Fried fam, I tell you in nearly every episode that step one of your burnout recovery is blood work. And I know that a lot of you avoid it because it's a pain and because your doctor has told you that everything is quote unquote fine. And they refuse to test all the things that you think you need. What if I told you that you could test what you want, when you want, from your home with just a couple of drops of blood? Cyfox Health allows you to do just that. You can buy tests as one-offs or join a membership. Either way, you can test and track your results to help you make decisions about your burnout recovery journey. Get 10% off any membership, subscription, or one-time test kit right now. Go to cyfoxhealth.com forward slash fried for your discount. That's S-I-P-H-O-X health.com forward slash fried.
Yes, yes. And something that I would also say is a lot of people, and this may sound funny coming from a lifestyle health position, a lot of people want to come in and start with all of the, you know, the, the esoteric tests and everything. I tell everyone, take a step back. Like for instance, with sleep, this is a huge thing. Mm. People, they say they're not sleeping. They can't go to sleep. They can't stay asleep. And they want to know, should I take melatonin? Should I take progesterone orally? Should I do this or that? My first answer is, what is your sleep hygiene? Yeah. Are you sleeping in a cool and dark room? Is it, you know, is it quiet? Is the TV out of the room? Are you not looking at screens for two to three hours before you go to bed? Are you not having big greasy? Are you doing the things that are simple, free, you know, and easy first? If you do all of those and it still doesn't work, then you start delving into why those things aren't working. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So sort of zoom out a little bit and make sure you're looking at exactly everything. And what you were talking about is goes just in with what I also say is, which is listen, let go and live. So Mm -hmm. listen to what your body is trying to tell you. That is the number one thing, because your body knows exactly what it needs at this time. Let go of whatever isn't serving you. So, you know, if right now, if you were so burned out at this point that you can't do the hot yoga or the whatever it is, you just let it go. Let it go for now and then live your own version of thriving. And don't let anybody else tell you, like you were saying, I don't care who it is, how many degrees or or years of experience. If it's not working for you right now, you do you. And that is the fastest way to healing and to help. Let's go back to listen for a second. Mm-hmm. This is really hard for people. Yes. Listening to your body, people are like, what does it mean? <laughs> One of the things that we talk about a lot on Friday is something that I call foundational self-care. And it's like basically interoception. When you're hot, open a window. When you pee when you have to pee. Drink when you're thirsty. Like just basic responding to the basic signals that your body is using. So we talk about that a lot. And still, I find that the the step, listen to your body, is not specific enough for people that have never really listened to their bodies. And, and we're taught to not. Like, we go to school, right. and you have to ask to go to the bathroom, and teachers right. will say no. Right. And you're six, and you're like, okay, well, then hold I guess it. I'll hold it. You know, like, Ugh. so when, if somebody came to you and was like, I, how? Mm-hmm. How would you break down, listen to your body for people in a way that's likely different from the way I say it, that maybe somebody has been listening to me and been like, Hey, I still don't know what you're talking about. Maybe there's a way that you can say it that will strike someone a little bit differently and, and get them into that place where it's a little more accessible. Mm-hmm. The first thing that I start with is to make sure that they understand the need for listening. And the, the way you do that is if you have an issue, if you have a symptom, if you're struggling with burnout then there's something your body's trying to tell you, okay? And it's, it's, if you're at that level now where you are struggling with burnout, it's gotten to the point where it's no longer whispering to you. It's starting to yell, okay? Yeah. So you have to understand first that it is telling you something. And then the second one, if you're not used to it, um, two things. One, just take 10, 15 minutes and sit down and just relax. Don't even try to think about what you're doing. Just kind of sit down and relax. And then the third thing is a lot of times I see that people are struggling with, like I said, the the basics. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And so if it's something gut related or you think it's gut related, then just do a food and mood and activity journal where for a week you're just writing down, here's what I ate, here's how I felt, this is the kind of mood I had and the energy that I had. And then when you look back on that, you're you're sometimes people are just amazed yeah. with the connections that they see. So just really simple and basic things where you're allowing that connection to be made. I love that. What was that called? Food, food, something in mood, mood, food, mood, and <laughs> I just blew out of my, right. I lost <laughs> it too. Food, mood, and activity. Journal food, mood, and activity. activity. Right. So yes. that, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that sometimes we do need to take an, uh, a sort of brain level view of what's going on when we don't know how to feel things to teach yes. us how to feel things. Yes. I find that people that burn out often have pretty low levels of interoception. They they don't have as strong as an ability to um to meet those needs where they are, to find them and to feel them and to notice them. I think who was I talking to recently? It might have been my uh co-coach Sarah who said, you know, she did something and she felt her heart beating for the first time and she was like I had never felt my like I didn't actually earlier have a sensation of that. Yes. And it's like, right? Yes, absolutely. And speaking speaking of heart, that is my my third technology that I love. Mm. Heart math. <laughs> oh, we love heart math around here. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Just so that you're aware. I mean, that's that's the number one thing for us to be aware of what's going on. Because as you were saying, so often we've been damped down from you know, from grade school, yeah, we we just cover things up and keep trekking through no matter what, you know, so it's so important for us to just slow down and listen. For those of that, for the people listening now that haven't heard me talk about heart math, um, how, how, what do you, how would you explain heart math and how do you use it in, in your practice? Yes. So what scientists have seen is that there is a connection between our brains and our heart. And that we are now really just beginning to delve into, and they're calling it brain-heart coherence. And when the two are working together, everything smooths out. So if you can imagine like um, a a waveform that's very staticky, like if you're stressed, your waveform is going to look very staticky. If you get into that, that, that coherence between the two, it starts evening out. Um, and it becomes this beautiful sine wave. And it, just looking at it makes you relax. So you you can do that with, again, with a technology. You can do it with a technology where it's going to actually show you what it looks like. But you can also get to the point where you can do it yourself without any machines. You can just literally feel how your whole body just settles down into this beautiful um, pattern of what they call coherence. One of the main techniques that the HeartMath Institute Im- uh, applies is just some basic breathing techniques, right? Yes, like just yes. We're not talking about like the HeartMath Institute sounds, it, because that's the name of it, it sounds very, you know, scientific, scientific. And techie. <laughs> yeah, and techie. And really their, their technology that they're using is the breath. There are, they do right. have little exactly. machines to measure your heart rate variability, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But the, the techniques that they're asking you to use are, the, the most common one that they teach is just literally just breathing, breathing, breathing. 
Yeah. Well, you, when you think about it, if we slow our breaths down, you know, you think back to the to the where all of this started with the saber tooth tigers chasing us. Mm. Well, when we're running from a saber tooth tiger, we're breathing fast. Our heart's beating fast. You know, we're just like like this. Um, and when we're breathing slowly, our brain says, "I'm safe." So when you actively slow your breath down, you feel safer. You feel more relaxed. I love it. So now let's dip a, a toe into menopause. <laughs> What's just a toe? <laughs> yeah, just a toe. Just a toe. What is the continuation into menopause from perimenopause? What's happening with the hormones? And how does burnout interact with that? Good. Okay. So if you if let's let's use the Dutch test. You yeah. Know, if you can imagine a wheel. So on on the Dutch test, they have a wheel with two little stars of where estrogen, let's just stay with estrogen, we'll just leave that one. Yeah. Estrogen should be if you are in your in your uh, menstruating years between the low star and the high star. Okay. Then they have another little area that's way, oh, you can't really see that's way down, that's below that low star, which is your postmenopausal area. Mm-hmm. When you're in perimenopause, your numbers may flip between up and down, and but they may flip down into thing, but then they flip back up again. You know, they just kind of flip back and forth. And a lot of that changing is when we're feeling the um, you know, the the hot flashes and things of that sort, because it's that change in levels that causes that that vasomotor or that blood pressure thing. So once we go into actual menopause then we're down in that section. We never go back up into that high level of, of normal, you know, normal menstruating estrogen anymore. We stay down in that low level. So that's menopause. We've been there for a year, no menses, and we stay in that. Then you're officially in menopause. And how would a burnout during menopause maybe present differently than a burnout during perimenopause or during menstruating years? Hmm. It may not even. The main thing that might happen is that you might be more uh, like the highs and lows might be even Mm. higher and lower. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's the same. It's the same uh, hormones. But now if you've got that cortisol that's flipping all over the place, it just may make the changes a lot faster, a lot more severe. um, And you just may have more symptoms. And so would the recovery that you would help somebody to create be different? Or would you be starting with the same things like listen, let go? And live, yes. And it, live. You always start with the basics. Yeah. Because if if you think about it, you know, if you think about, uh, and I, I remember this from a year, sort of a side note, I decided to homeschool, <laughs> homeschool my kids for one year. Um, when they were in fifth and seventh grades, because I I knew better, right? Well, let me tell you, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that if you're working full time, okay? Right. They're still, they're traumatized. They're adults now. They're still traumatized talking about that. The year, remember the year mom homeschooled us? Anyway, but I say, (laughs) I say that because we make these, these, these uh, thoughts and we go into these things thinking that we're going to do one thing and it, it, just does not work out that way um and now i've totally forgotten what i was talking about which was menopause yeah and why 
you still oh. have to go back to the basics that why being yes okay yeah. thank you so much of course <laughs> so in that that year um i flipped them from say they were reading at one level i flipped them a whole year and and they didn't get this year of understanding of this particular reading skill right and to this day they still struggle with those huh. concepts right so it's the same thing with you know, with anything, if you are struggling with your hormones and you, you, you skip all of the basics, you skip all of the, am I eating the right things? Am I getting enough sleep? Am I de-stressing the way that I should? If you skip all of those things, then yeah, you may add a hormone or a treatment or something, which may work for a while, but it will never be at the place where, um, or may never get to the place where it's working consistently and well for you. You've got to do the basics. And so the basics. Nutrition. Listen, right. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're going to go down this list in a second. I just fried family. I know you have heard these things before and we are going to say them again because we still hear all the time. Well, is there a faster way to do it? Can I optimize my recovery? Can I? And the, the fact of the matter is there is not a magic pill. There is not a magic system. There are the basics and doing the basics is the work, is the recovery. It's annoying as all get up. Trust me. I know you are not alone. I don't like doing the basics either. However, if the basics are not in play, the things that you're adding on top are not going to be able to do their work properly. So the basics. Nutrition. Continue along. I'm just gonna listen while you school <laughs> while you school them again. Nutrition, movement, getting up and moving your body every day, getting the right amount of sleep, which is usually seven to nine hours. Four to five is not kicking it. Okay. Seven to nine hours is about what you really need. The stress reduction. We've been talking about that all this time. Um, having your hormones working for you, not against you. And then the last thing really is mindset, loving yourself so that, you know, you understand that you love where you are right now, but you're not going to just stay there, that you will continue to work at these things so that you become better and better and better as you're going along. And then loving others around you and then, you know, loving, seeing your connection with whatever you feel is guiding your life, you know, yeah. guiding your life. Yeah. Those are the things. Those are the basics. You get all of those in place. Most of the time, you don't need the medications. You know, that's that's the amazing thing. And somebody's listening right now. They're like, okay, but which one do I start with? I started with nutrition because okay. it tends to make the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, look at what you're eating. If you're eating food that I, I give the example of the the potato that you see as a potato. And the potato that's been processed into these little chips that are all the same size and fit in the can, you know, <laughs> so, and we're not going to say any brand names, right? But if that's what you're eating, if that's the majority of your meal, then go back to the, I guarantee you, a week of eating just whole foods that you understand what they are, you'll be amazed at how much better you feel. We just, just had about that. 400 people say 
I don't have, I don't have the energy to cook and chop vegetables. <laughs> well, thank goodness now for grocery stores that have it all cooked. You can even buy a complete meal already made. You can have yeah. complete meals delivered to you yes. for about the same as what it would cost to buy the junk that's making us sick, you know? Thank you for preaching the same words that we are trying to get out here all the time. If, right. I, I don't usually start with nutrition only because not because I don't think it's impactful, but because I couldn't do that when I was right. recovering right. and mm -hmm. these um, options for pre-made good pre-made meals and things like that. I was living in Prague when this happened. These options were not, they available. were not available. That right. th that was not a right. thing. We were barely doing grocery delivery. Like right. it, it barely. Mm -hmm. It only worked sometimes. Half the time they didn't show up. The other half the time they showed up and didn't have 18 things that you ordered. <laughs> it was like it was not a, a great scenario. Yes. So I didn't start there because it was actually too difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, Today, no excuse. It's so much easier. No and when yeah. you have a whole family to take care of, and there are children that are eating, and there's all sorts of other things, yes, it gets more complicated. I hear you. And yet, still, if you can only buy the pre cut butternut squash and the pre chopped onions and the pre sliced celery and the, then go for it. Go for it. And go if the only thing you can do, and I total, I really mean this. If the only thing you can do is start getting enough water. Yes. Start there. Yes. yes. So many of us are so dehydrated right. and don't even realize it. Don't even realize how. What how do you think are the biggest signs that you see of dehydration in the people that you work with? Ah, fatigue. Yeah. Not being able to sleep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, those are probably the two biggest ones. And even losing, not, not being able to lose weight which seems counterintuitive. You're like, if I'm drinking water, that's making me more bloat. No, it doesn't. It clears everything out, detoxifies everything, makes it easier to, to drop weight if that's what you're trying to do. Brain fog. Brain fog. Oh, how'd I forget that one? Right? <laughs> exactly. So exactly. If, if a lot of your problems are, I'm holding on to weight, I'm really tired and I have brain fog, literally start with water. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. knowing that within the first month of this episode airing a, but somewhere between three and four thousand people will listen to it knowing if you were in a room right now and there was four thousand people in front of you and you had to give them a message that you were like listen if you if you take this home it will help you it will shift things for you what would you tell them? Oh, definitely. Start with a listen, let go and live, but then take that a step further and know that you have the ability, you have the capability to change your life, that you are in control of what's going on with, with, with everything in your life. So many people think that, you know, mom had diabetes or mom had, or, or dad had this, and therefore I'm going to have it. So there's no point in even trying. But we each have the power, you know, and the capability to be as healthy and to live as wonderful a life as we want. Well, if that isn't the most beautiful place to wrap up, I don't know what is. Dr. Susan, where 
can people find you if they're like, I need to do this test. First of all, they're like this Dutch. Is it from the country? What is going on? It's not from the country. If you need to do a Dutch test, if you want to figure out what's going on with your hormones, if you want some grounded guidance, where, where can they find you? Uh, my website is www.premierwellness.com and premier is spelled P-R-E-M-I-E-R-E wellness.com um, and our number is 919-925-5910. Either of those work wonderfully. Beautiful. Fried fam, those things will, as per usual, be in the show notes. What I really want you to allow to sink into your body this week as you're listening is that the basics really matter. The foundation really matters. You do not need to necessarily come up with some sort of complicated way to recover. You don't need to have a special routine of 87 supplements. What you do need, you do need the basics. And if you can't do them all right now, that's okay. I know what burnout feels like. I couldn't do them all at once either. But Dr. Susan said the same. She started with one and then moved to the next and then moved to the next. Choose the one that's going to be easiest for you because the one that you'll actually do is going to be the one that actually moves the needle. Yes. Choose the one that's easy. Go with the lowest hanging fruit. And then pop into the Facebook group and let me know how you're doing. Until next Fred fam. Thank you. Thank you. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side. Plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan.